Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. Over uh, Lent, one of the books I read, I think it's actually the second Lent I read this, um, uh, was The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. And in that book, uh, C.S. Lewis gives us um, just kind of like his imagination of hell. And, and then Pastor Christie, myself, Keola, and Rebecca, we, we always study a book together. And so we were studying this book. And it actually mentions this scene in The Great Divorce, too. And so I've been thinking about it a lot. And um, basically, Lewis's vision of hell is a city. And in the city, when, when a person kind of... They're, everybody kind of comes, they come to the center of the city, and when they start fighting with their neighbors, because inevitably people get into conflict, they move from the center of the city, where people are all together, to the further out of the city. So they have a little bit more space. Now, eventually, those people will meet somebody else there, and they'll have a conflict or a disagreement, because people do that. And then they move further out. And they repeat the cycle, moving further and further away from everybody else. Because they cannot stand the company of other people. Because, um, and this is true in, in our world, every person, every person has their own preferences and their own perceived needs. Right? We all have things the way we like them. And when those preferences meet another person's preference, there's conflict. And that conflict may be large, or it may be minor, but it exists. And I don't care how close of a relationship you have with someone, your best friend, your, the, the, the happiest family, the closest marriage, there will be some negotiation because of differing needs. There just will be. And in, in Lewis's fictional help, people don't know how to negotiate about those needs, right? those preferences. And so they isolate themselves, moving further and further away so they can have ex everything exactly the way they want it. And, and they do get to have everything the way they want it. And it's usually not great, but it's good enough. So if they want to have a burger for dinner, they can have a burger. It may not be the best burger, but it's the burger they want. If, um, if they'd like to have salmon for dinner, they can have salmon. It might be farmed, so not exactly the best, but you know, close. And, and here's the thing. The hell that C.S. Lewis described in that book is kind of the way we structure our lives now, um, especially post-COVID, right? Because we live in a world where we can have everything just like we want or close enough, right? We don't have to put up with people. We can work from home. Right? We can have our groceries delivered or just picked up. We don't have to wait in line. Why would you do that? You can order the latest movies on demand, right? You, so no crowded theater and noisy neighbors. You can play video games online. They'll have to share a controller or, or wait in line at an arcade. Um, you can have intimacy without a relationship, right? That's what porn offers. Low intimacy. And, and so we live. Our world is, is kind of like C.S. Lewis's vision of hell. That's kind of the way that we've made it. And, uh, and I'm saying this not pining for the good old days, because I love a lot of these things. I mean, my Kindle has probably saved the forest of the trees. Um, it's, uh, it's true. 
But every innovation, every innovation has a trade-off. And the trade-off for most aspects of our lives seem to be enabling us to live without ever needing to interact with one another. To be able to, 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 to have a custom life. So we never de develop the relational skills and resiliency to deal with the uncomfortableness and awkwardness and difficulty of real relationships. Right? If we wonder, gosh, why? Why am I so alone? Right? Why, why do I feel so misunderstood? Why am I so anxious? Why am I so depressed? Right? Why, do, why do I need so much medication via legal and illegal means? And once again, I'm, I'm pro-medication when you need it. Um, so I, I actually take anti-anxiety meds. But we've structured our lives so we never have to deal with anybody that can make us feel weird and uncomfortable. No wonder our society is so antagonistic against one another, right? Because that's not the way people are meant to live. In, in his letter to the Galatian church, the Apostle Paul wrote, uh, this is uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, carry each other's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. We are not meant to live this life alone. We are meant to be part of a people, right? And that's what Christ has done. He has called all of us out of our siloed lives, our isolated, broken lives, and he knitted us together as a new people, a people made of many tribes and many nations and ethnicities and cultures. That's who he's made us to be. Uh, we're in the second message of our blessed series, right? And we're going over this because we live in a world of curses. A world of curses. We live in the hell of isolation. But God wants more for us. He has offered us more. Through his son, Jesus Christ, he has blessed us and he has remade us to be a blessing. In a world of curses, we are to be a blessing. So, last week we focused on the, the first part of this. Beginning with prayer. That's how we start. And I, I encourage everybody, and I'm still encouraging everybody to pray every day, asking, how can you be the blessed, be a blessing? Right? How can, Lord, please let me see the opportunities to bless those around me. Now, I hope you did it. Um, and if God answered your prayers, I want to know. Tell me about it. Um, because he answered my prayers. Because I'm, I'm doing this with you. Uh, I don't really know my neighbors. I mean, I know them. But I don't know them well, right? We say hello, and um, that's about it. Well, uh, one of them was, was trying to get her, her dog in the car to get it to the vet. And uh, so, so I, was, I was able to help her catch her dog because her dog was, like, dragging her around because it's a big dog and a little lady. And uh, so um, I was able to, to wrestle the dog and get it into the car. And that might not seem like much. But remember, it's being faithful in little things, right? Being willing to be a little blessing, right? Being faithful in the small things enables you to be entrusted with the larger things. Later that week, I saw that neighbor in the grocery store. And she came over. She thanked me again. We were actually able to have a conversation. Okay? I had to take my AirPods out and actually interact with somebody. It was awkward um, and uncomfortable, but I did it. Praise God. Um, and uh, like I said, if we're faithful in the small things, we can be entrusted with the larger and I have another story um, from this week, and I'll, I'll share that later. Um, so, so we begin with prayer. This is how we start. 
and there's more. So today we're going to be moving on to L, because this is an acronym. Um, and L stands for listen with care. And to illustrate the point, um, I'd like to review a Bible story. And this is the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch from Acts um, 26 through, 8, 26 through 20, 39. Now, I've preached on this story before. Um, and I went into detail about the Ethiopian eunuch and what we can learn um, from the story about who's included in the family of God. And if you're interested in hearing more about that, um, you feel free to go back and listen to that. Um, I think it was June 2021. So, uh, yeah, so there, it's on the podcast feed. But this time, I want to focus more on Philip and how that interaction went. So that's just kind of the roadmap of how we're doing this. So let's read. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the south road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandake, which means the queen of Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. The word of the Lord. Now, um, the first thing I want you to notice is, is how willing Philip is. Philip wasn't told to go forth and to preach the gospel to the Ethiopians. He was told to go for a walk. Okay? So he did it. And then it says, and, you know, he, an angel of the Lord told him to do it. It doesn't say how it told him, so I don't know if it was a big flaming angel with a sword or just a whispering thought in his prayers. I don't know. But he responded. I, I like to think it was a little, little whispering voice because I, I don't often see very big angels in my prayers, but it could happen. And so he listened. He went for his walk. He went walking down that road. Philip listened. He was faithful to the small thing he was told to do. Go for a walk. And then the spirit told him, right, because it's a road, there's a chariot. He said, hey, go up to that chariot and stay near it. Now, God did not spell out everything that he was supposed to do. Right? God didn't give him a detailed road map. But what God did was encourage Philip to be in a place where he can be a blessing. So when we say listen with care, part of that is just listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. The small things, being in those spaces. Okay, there's more to it. 
because he also heard the Ethiopian eunuch reading. Okay, weird note. Um, reading aloud was how most people read back then. Okay, the, the silent reading wasn't a big of thing. There's a little bit of academic discussion on when people actually started reading silently, but um, a lot of people read out loud. <clears throat> so Philip hears him reading out loud. So Philip is listening again, right? Because he goes to the, the chariot and he hears. And this time, he hears what's being said around him. And notice when he went up to the chariot, Philip didn't immediately ask the eunuch if he needed anything. He waited and he listened. He waited and he listened. And then after he had listened, that is when Philip asked that the man needed help understanding the text. Notice, Philip's not just offering generic advice. He doesn't have a prepared speech. He doesn't go up to the eunuch and give him a 12-point plan of salvation, right? Philip offers to help him with the thing that he appears to be wrestling with. And like I said uh, last week, remember, we're called to be a blessing, right? People don't like to be projects. Help them with what they're dealing with. Help them with what they're wrestling with. Our job's to be a blessing. Now, Philip was faithful in listening to the Holy Spirit, which put him in a place where he can listen to the eunuch, which gave Philip a natural opportunity to have a God conversation. It wasn't forced. It was natural. It was now, the text says that the eunuch was, uh, was coming from the temple in Jerusalem where he went to worship. Now, in my other sermon in uh, June, June 2001, I, I go into a lot more detail with the background of the eunuch. But really quick, because he was not Jewish and because he was castrated, he would not have been allowed to go into the temple to worship. So there was a small part of the temples where Gentiles were allowed, right? So the court of the Gentiles. Um, but that was filled up with animals for sacrifice. That's actually the area where Jesus went and whipped the money lenders out. So, and uh, because of the eunuch's disability, because he was castrated, he wouldn't have been welcome there either. Okay? Castrated people were considered cursed. So this was, this was an apparently you know, somewhat educated, somewhat rich man uh, returning home. Rejected. So he went to the temple to worship, but he was not allowed to be there. And so he left. But he was still drawn to the God of Israel enough. He was still some, something responded in him that he was still wrestling with God's prophecies. He was still wrestling with that scripture. And, and that's who Philip was dealing with. That's who Philip was working with. And the thing is, Philip was um, prepared, or God was preparing Philip for this encounter too. Um, this Philip is not one of the 12 disciples. This Philip is a Hellenistic Jew. <clears throat> and these were people that were ethnically from Israel and followed the Levitical laws, but through all the invasions and captivity and turmoil throughout you know, the ages, they, um, these folks left Israel and lived amongst the surrounding countries. They adopted the speech and customs of the Greeks around them. And, and um, some of them intermarried. Okay, And all those things made the Hebraic Jews prejudiced against the Hellenistic Jews. They were kind of considered like second-class Jews. And um, actually, um, the first major rift in the early church was a conflict between the Hebraic Jews and the Hellenistic Jews. In Acts chapter 6, the Hellenistic Jews were complaining because the Hebraic Jews were ignoring their widows as they were sharing their food. This cultural conflict was the first major conflict between groups in the church. And Philip, he was involved in that. Um, the, the 11 apostles, right, not counting Judas, they appointed seven Hellenistic Jews 
um, you can tell them that they're Hellenistic Jews by their names, to oversee the food distribution. Those were the first deacons, and Philip was one of them. Philip was one of them. So Philip, he had experience with cultural conflict. He was sensitive to the issues. God had prepared Philip's back in Acts chapter 6 to be a blessing to the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. God had already been working on him. Because God was at work redeeming a broken situation. Okay? Now, just remember, I don't believe that God causes evil things. Right? God did not create the issues of prejudice in Acts 6. But, as we say, God does not let evil have the last word either. He's always at work seeking ways to redeem and restore broken things, right? To bring blessing out of hurt. And that issue was resolved. But even more so, Philip was prepared to enter into this encounter, this other cross-cultural encounter, to speak to someone that many people would consider unacceptable or even cursed. And Philip was able to tell this man, though not many of him um, really considered a man, that he was worthy. Because of Jesus Christ, that man was not cursed as he, as he thought, as he knew. But he was blessed. He's not cursed as, as he found out when he went to the temple, probably to worship. He's blessed. And Philip listened with care as the eunuch revealed his true desires, his true hurt. Because if you listen, um, the man, the eunuch, he wanted to know if he belonged. When the eunuch asked to be baptized, notice what, what he asked. He said, what can stand in the way of my being baptized? What can stand in the way of being baptized? What's the barrier? Do you hear the defensiveness in that statement? Right? What can stand in the, the way of my being baptized? Right? You hear the guardedness? Remember, he was leaving a place where he was told he could not worship, where he could not belong. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? Is it the color of my skin? What can stand in the way of me being baptized? Is it the culture I was raised in? What can stand in the way of me being baptized? Is it the deformed state of my body? What can stand in the way of me being baptized? Is it, is it my, my castration? Is it my lack of sexuality? What can stand in the way of me being baptized? You hear all the negative things that the eunuch implies in that statement. What can stand in the way of being baptized? His fear of being judged, of being rejected. Philip heard it. Philip heard it. He heard all the things that were not being said out loud. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And Jesus could answer because of Jesus, right? Because of the cross and the resurrection. He could say there's nothing. Because of Jesus, there is nothing standing in the way between you and God. Because of Jesus, you are accepted. Because of Jesus, you are blessed. Because of Jesus, you are whole. Right? Church, if we are to bless people, the people around us, we need to learn to listen to them. We need to listen to care to what's being said and to what is not being said. Um, I am very, very much an introvert. On my Myers-Briggs, um, I had to take it for you know, ordination in this, I scored a 97% on introversion. I am an introvert. Uh, talking to people stresses me out. <clears throat> I go home every Sunday and I take a nap. Um, I, I do. Uh, this is exhausting to me. Uh, talking to you afterwards, it's a blessing, but it exhausts me. Um, and I know that many of you are also introverted. 
Um, because every, every church, every community has its own personality. And despite some wonderfully extroverted people here, um, my wife is one of those, um, it seems like you know, we're kind of an introverted church. That, that's part of our overall nature, and that's fine. That's not, so we are who we are. But that does not excuse us from being a blessing. Uh, repeating Galatians 6.2 from early in this sermon, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. as a word to the church about the, our responsibility to one another as the body of Christ. But I believe it also pertains to the wider world. Because Christ carried the burdens of sins and brokenness of the world, we're meant to carry the burdens of those around us, of our neighbors, of our co-workers, of our community. Um, a little bit later in Galatians 6.10, Paul writes, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those belonging to the family of believers. All people. We're to pray and to seek out ways to be a blessing to all people. I mean, especially our church, Big C Church, not just our covenant family, but like the bigger church. Um, this, but this responsibility doesn't end there. It goes out to all people. So we pray for opportunities to bless. We listen to avenues to, to bless, like Philip did. And by the way, the, the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, he was baptized. He goes back to Ethiopia. He's considered to be the founder of the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. Okay? This, this eunuch, somebody who's not supposed to have any children, he birthed the whole church, right? So, and that's because he was castrated. That's why he's supposed to be cursed, because he couldn't grow anything. Nothing's going to come from him. And what happens? He birthed the whole church. We are called to be a blessing. Um, I told you earlier I was going to share another blessing story about this last week. Um, so, because, like I said, I'm doing this with you, right? This applies to me. I don't, I don't preach to you and ignore more of this. But um, last week, uh, actually it was Friday, um, my beloved, my family's beloved, 1999 Lexus died. And uh, so we had been frantically car shopping because um, it would have been really good for us to have a car by Wednesday because the annual meeting is in Wasilla and... Um, you know, Alyssa has to drive the kids to school, and, you know, I'm going out there. And so it just would have been good. And so on, on Sunday after church, I did not get my nap. I went car shopping, which is like another form of hell. But, um, uh, so, uh, but we went out, and we, 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 we had this, we found it. I found it online earlier. Um, and this was a new used car. And then we picked it up. And, but there was just like one little thing wrong with it. And so I was supposed to hear back from the dealership. Um, on Monday, which is my day off, but I didn't. And I, I called, and the salesman I was working with, um, he was with other people, so he couldn't, uh, you know, respond to me. And so I waited, and I texted, and I waited, and I just didn't hear from him. I was pretty ticked. So we had the car picked out. It was a good deal. We were ready to move on it, but we just couldn't. Um, so... You know, I'm still praying. I'm praying, Lord, let me be a blessing. I'm angry at this guy. Now, like as I said, um, I needed to get this car by Wednesday so Alyssa could drive the kids to school, and I still go to the annual meeting. So on Tuesday, I go to this dealership. And the guy I was working with, the salesperson I'd been working with, has the next two days off. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> and uh, the manager who I'd been talking with, um, you know, I also, I, I, I met with him. I, I kind of explained my situation. He set me up with another salesperson. 
And so that salesman uh, starts doing all the paperwork that goes with car sales. And, but in the middle of it, he gets a phone call. And it's his son, right? He's like, oh, oh it's just my son. And he sounds as if the phone, and you know, we go back to work. But a few minutes later, the phone rings again. And I tell him, yeah, go ahead and answer it. It's, it's fine. And so he does. Now, I don't know what they were talking about, but after you know, a brief conversation, you know, the, the salesman comes back. And he starts opening up about his relationship with his son. And I could tell that he's worried about his son. So I ask him a few more questions. And he tells me about how his son is, uh, is, is failing out of school and how he's going to have to go to the SAVE program and like how frustrating he is and how worried he is for his son. Now, um, many of you know that uh, many years ago, uh, I, I was a teacher with the Anchorage School District. But years before that, when I was in high school, I was also a SAVE graduate. Um, I had flunked out of regular school. My, I was a super senior. My, my, my second, the second semester of my senior year, I had the same number of credits as a second semester freshman. Um, I, I did not take school very seriously. But I don't see any of my kids, so that's a good thing. Um, now, I was able to reassure that salesman, though, because of my past, because of where I'd come from, that this isn't the end of the world. That going to save doesn't mean his son's going to be a failure. That his struggles academically, though challenging, does not have to define him for the rest of his life. He still has options. He still has opportunities. He still has second chances. In other words, because I prayed for opportunities and because I listened, I was able to, to bless this person. I was able to use my own experiences, my own struggles, to be a blessing, right? To, to the test of the way that God brought me up, I was able to share. Now, I, I didn't share, like, the full gospel, right? I, I did share that I'm a pastor and, you know, that, 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 that my faith helped me a lot. My church family helped me a lot through that process. But you know, he didn't need the full plan of salvation at that moment. He needed to be told his son could be okay. Remember, our job is to bless. People are not projects, right? We don't have our agen own agendas with them. We go where they're at. And that might mean sharing the good news, or it might be being reassuring a worried dad their kid still has a future. So church, I hope that you're taking this time to be serious about this. How can you be a blessing? Pray. It doesn't have to be big. Like I said, with my first story, it was helping the neighbor find, get their dog into the car. Okay? But it's be the faithfulness in those small things which opens up the larger things. Be faithful. Be a blessing. Because this cursed world needs blessed people to bring Christ's blessing. So, just like last week, I want to end, and I'm only going to give us one minute this time. But I want to give us one minute to pray. One minute to pray, listen to the Holy Spirit, ask God how you can be a blessing, and at the end of the minute, I'll close this in prayer.
Lord, give us ears to hear. Let us hear your spirit. Let us hear those around us. Give us opportunities to be a blessing. Give us spontaneous moments with random people. And give us intentional moments with those that we know are hurting. Teach us to be faithful so that we can declare your goodness and your love. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, Worship team.